Well, it's good to see y'all, man. It's a beautiful day. Rain in the desert. That's always a good day. And if you're a guest, I'm David. I'm the pastor. We're so glad uh, that you're here with us. This time of year, things start picking back up everywhere, man. Everything's happening again. You know, the schools are up, going back to school, I think. You're going back to school. College life's opening up. Remember college so well, man. Trinity University, eight great years I spent there. It's good. It's in a really cool fraternity. Uh, it was exclusive, but it was cool. It was called Pi. Give me pie, and uh, we, had a, we had a good time in that. Some of you don't know Greek, so you can't figure that out. So uh, we kind of start back up. If you're a guest, you know, we, once you know, there's a lot of ways to get connected. If you just started coming to church in the last couple of years, there's uh, the past couple of weeks, or, so, or years, a couple of weeks, there's ways to get connected here. Uh, we encourage you to be a part of our small group ministry in a couple of weeks. Uh, we have Connect Night, uh, our, our small groups, our connect groups. Uh, you can go online and learn about them. Uh, Joe will probably talk about it some, or Josh, I should say a little bit later. Um, you know, our worshiping hour, serving hour is a great way to get involved. We encourage you to serve. You can serve. We need, always need help in the parking team. We need help greeting, cafe, uh, working over here with our children in preschool areas. We always need help them. You're going to have to pass a background check for that. If you don't think you can do that, we encourage you to go to the parking team. Uh, <laughs> there are no, there are no background anythings for them. There are no any for the band either. And in fact, there are no kind of tests for the band at all of any type. <laughs> Some of them started in the 70s, so we don't, we don't do anything for them. So get involved and serve. We're, we're in this thing we started a couple weeks ago uh, called Impact. Um, three and a half years ago, our church left our old location to come here. We left 55,000 square feet of space to come to less than 19,000 square feet of space. And when we did that, something else happened in the course of the last three and a half years. The number of people who will come to our church for some event uh, in any given month is double the amount that used to come at the low, old location. And we have a third of the square footage. And we knew, always knew coming down here, we were going to have to build another phase, maybe two more phases. And we've got plans for all that. We have it. And so time has come. We're beginning this thing called impact. We know, and, and the reason we came out here is we wanted to reach more people. And if you want to reach people for Jesus, which is what we want to do, one of the frustrating things is you're not always able to reach them. And so sometimes before you can reach someone for Jesus and get them to come to faith in Jesus, you need to impact their life. And so we're, we're focusing now in our vision. In order to reach people, we need to impact people. We started a couple of weeks ago uh, with a vision to impact. How are we gonna, what is that vision? Then last week we talked about prayer. The foundation for anything is you've got to have prayer. And now this week we're going to come and we're going to be still in the book of Luke, going from Luke chapter 2 to Luke chapter 3, and we're going to talk about preparation. In Luke chapter 3, verse 1 through 6, we're going to come to this guy named John, John the one we call John the Baptist, and, uh, and we've seen Simeon and Anna the last two weeks, this week we'll look at John. And uh, as we come to this passage in a few moments, this is what I want you to see from the message today. To reach someone for Jesus, you may first have to impact their life. Impact takes preparation. So you have to prepare for impact. If you want to reach people, you may have to first impact them. And you've got to prepare to impact people's lives. And so today we're going to talk about preparation. And I'm going to get, the first thing I want to share with you today is talk about the man who shook things up. Because the passage we're in today is a story about a man who shook things up, named John, the one who baptized, we just simply call him John the Baptist. And uh, we, to understand the story a little bit, you've got to go back to the close of the Old Testament. The Old Testament book, the last book in the Old Testament is Malachi. Malachi ends, when Malachi quits writing, it's going to be 450 years before you get to the story of Jesus. So there's this 450-year gap. And the last thing that Malachi really writes in, in Malachi 4, verse 5, 
uh, says this. See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. When the Lord coming, they call the coming of the Messiah is a great day and brings salvation, but also it can be dreadful in the sense that it brings the ultimate coming of judgment. Now, there's one more verse after that about, in verse 6, it's going to talk about the fathers coming back to the sons and the sons coming to the father, children coming to the fathers as a sign of kind of a renewal. But the, the key thing is here, he says, Elijah is going to come. Elijah's come. Now, Elijah was 400 years before Malachi, 850 B.C. And Malachi is saying the last thing that closes off the Old Testament is this. Not just that the Messiah is going to come. No, someone's coming before the Messiah. He's going to be one guy that reminds you of Elijah. 450 years later, here's this guy named John. And, and John's this guy, he doesn't, he doesn't fit the New Testament. He really doesn't. He's mysterious. He's kind of a loner. He's an Old Testament guy. Really, when you get to the New Testament, 450 years, 450 years is a long time. 450 years ago was 1571. 1571, nothing's going on of any importance in America. Everything's over in Europe. There's a renaissance. There's a reformation that's just started. I mean, and Catholics and Protestants are going after it. But, but time, the time between now and 450 years, things have radically changed. It's a completely different world. You and I couldn't function back then. Well, it was not that different in the day of Christ. I mean, the, the cultural change wasn't as great, obviously, as now and 1571, but there was a huge gap. I mean, Jerusalem was a thriving, bustling city. Rome was in charge. There were transportation, I mean, there were highways, not like ours, but there were great roads to travel, and, and merch, you know, merchants were there, and trade, and, and the world was different. Language was different. Communication was different. And here's this Old Testament guy. And this Old Testament guy comes on the scene, he's different, because he's like this guy, Elijah. It's exactly what Malachi told about, this crazy guy out in the desert. And all four Gospels talk about him. And all four Gospels paint this picture of a guy who fulfilled the last thing written in the book of Malachi, back in what we call the Old Testament. And here's this, this guy, and Luke, Luke begins his whole Gospel with him about the announcement of the coming of his birth, and then there's the announcement of the birth of Jesus, and then Jesus comes, you know, and then there's what we saw last week, a little bit of the, the childhood of Jesus. And then in chapter 3, as, as Luke picks up 18 years after Jesus was in the temple at the age of 12, which chapter 2 closes off with, he's picking up not with Jesus, not yet, with John. And so verse 1 of chapter 3 says this. Now in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea. Now, this has no bearing on understanding the passage, but it's giving you some historical context. Uh, Julius Caesar, excuse me, uh, Caesar Augustus uh, was the emperor when Christ was born. He was the great, great emperor from, by their standards. And he died August the 19th of 14 BC. We, we, we celebrate the, his death this Thursday. I don't, I don't know if anybody's celebrating the death of Augustus Caesar, but he died 2,007 years ago. Trust me, I did the math last week sometime. If you start the reign of Caesar, at his death, and some actually started earlier as a co-region, but if you start the reign of Caesar at his death, I mean Tiberius, you get 28, 29 right there. Some people say maybe as early as 27, but you get the drift. It was, it's a historical context. Pilate was the governor. He comes into play in three years. Herod was the tetrarch of Galilee. A tetrarch uh, governed a fourth of a given area. That was the area of Palestine. His brother Philip was tetrarch of the region of Iteria and Trachonitis, and Licinius was the tetrarch of Abilene. And then verse 2 says this, and the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas. Now, the high priest was the guy who was the head of all the Jewish religion. 
Caiaphas was actually the high priest, but he was the son-in-law of Annas. And Annas had been the high priest 20 years earlier. He had five sons and one son-in-law served as high priest after him. So basically, it was kind of from the house of Annas. Caiaphas was the high priest. And the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. So John got the word of God. We saw last week, Simeon had the Holy Spirit. Two weeks ago, Simeon had the Holy Spirit. Anna was a prophetess. And then in verse 3, this becomes important, says this. And he came into the, uh, the region around the Jordan. This was an area of just kind of just vast wasteland. I mean, it was, it was more rugged than our desert. I mean, it was out in the boonies. And he's out in this area. And it says he's preaching. And, and I'll get to that in just a minute. But he's in the middle of nowhere. No one's there when he starts his ministry. Nobody lives there. And somehow people start, we know from all four Gospels, start just coming out to the air. They just, they just flood out to the area in essence. I mean, they're just pouring out from everywhere. Went, that area went from having no one there to people are coming everywhere to see him. And he's preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sin. Now, the word preaching is a very technical term. It means to preach a specific thing. And what he's preaching for is baptism. Now, the concept of baptism is, is the concept of a complete washing, of a going in and coming back out. That, that's what the word means. It means immersion. It doesn't mean sprinkling. Some people say, well, it means the idea of dipping. Yeah, dipping is if you dip all the way in. Yes. But put it back up there. I'm not quite through with it. But it means, means the whole thing. You go all the way under and you come all the way back out. That's what, that's what it means. So it's the concept of going in, coming back out. It points to something. And, and, and back in John's time, it pointed, pointed to the, the repentance. Now, before John, and there's no baptism in the Old Testament. You don't see it. You don't see baptism in the Old Testament. But what, what you see in the, come to the New Testament is the baptism. And, the, and, the, and what would happen is the Jews would baptize Gentiles when they converted to Judaism. It pointed to a change of life. Well, this is the same thing. When John baptizes, it's pointing to something. Jesus is going to come in a few verses. We're not going to get through that today. But in a few verses, Jesus is going to be baptized by John. Why? Is he repenting? No. Is he being saved? No. For us, baptism points to salvation. In two weeks, we have baptism. If you're a follower of Jesus and you have never been immersed as a believer, we want to invite you to be baptized. Why? Does it save you? No. Does it wash away your sins? No. What does it do? It points to the fact that you are now a follower of Christ. To be baptized before you're a follower of Christ as a child doesn't do the trick because it doesn't point towards you being saved. You go under. You come out. Baptism. Why? For the repentance of the forgiveness of sin. Repentance is an important term. It means a change of life. Jesus, after he was baptized, after he went into the desert, he comes out and he's just preaching a message. One of the things we know from Mark chapter 1 is that Jesus burst on the scene preaching repent and believe. Repentance and faith go together. Here's why. Repentance means you're walking in one direction and you have a complete change and you go in the opposite direction. But you're always moving towards something. We were moving towards a life of sin and rebellion. But to repent is to turn from that life. Now, when Christ comes onto the scene, we're returning to go towards Jesus. We are following him and going in his direction. Right now, that's not where you're going with John because Jesus hadn't come. So this is an anticipation kind of baptism. It's anticipating something. But you are repenting so that you can be forgiven of your sins. Luke writes this, and then he refers to a passage of Scripture that all four Gospels refer to, Isaiah chapter 40. Because in Isaiah chapter 40, Isaiah the prophet is going to point towards something. Now, he's preaching in the context of the world he lives in. So he's sharing something that relates to his day. 
in his time, go back to Isaiah 39, Isaiah 40, there's a connection there. But in doing that, he's pointing to something, whether he knows it or not, that's going to happen. And all four Gospels share what he's pointing to. And so verse 4 has this. It is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, the voice of one calling out into the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his way straight. So make his path straight. So Isaiah says, in the context of his writing, the voice of one calling in the wilderness. All the gospel writers understand this is referring at least in part to John, the one who's come as Elijah. 750 years before John came, Isaiah says this, to prepare is an imperative, it's a command. It is to get something ready, to prepare the way of the Lord, the path, to make his path straight. Back in the day of Isaiah, if a general won a great victory, he'd want to go through all the eras and, and share it, they had to prepare the roads. The roads were horrible, man. They're worse than anything we can possibly imagine. So they had to go and make everything ready. In fact, verse 5, we'll even share with you how they did that. Make the, uh, every ravine will be filled to fill the potholes. <laughs> every mountain will be lowered so they can get through. The, what was crooked become straight. The rough roads become smooth. They got everything ready. In the time of, of Jesus' day, the Roman roads were much, much better, but they still got everyone ready. It was preparation. Get ready. Why? Well, we see in verse 6 why. Quoting from Isaiah chapter 40, verse 5, verse 6 says this. In all flesh, we'll see the salvation of God. Why do you need to get things ready for the Messiah? Because the salvation of God is coming. He is traveling. He's coming your way. In all flesh, physically, that world will encounter Jesus. They're going to see the salvation, the deliverance of all that sin of God. Salvation's coming. It's coming to bring us what we need from the path of God. It's an amazing thing when you think about what's happening right here. Because here is what we see happening. John is preparing for salvation, which is found only in Jesus. John is preparing for salvation, and that's only found in Jesus. No other way. He's laying the grammar. Jesus didn't just burst onto the scene and say, here I am. Before Jesus came six months earlier, his cousin was getting everything ready. Now think about the importance of that. Think about just the importance of sharing. So you, you, you're talking about the coming of the Messiah. People start to think. They start to anticipate him coming. You're making preparation. You're talking about the paths that need to be straight, the lives that need to change. People start contemplating that. So when Jesus comes, they're getting ready. They're getting prepared. You're talking about a decision that has to be made. You need to repent. You know, the thing was, Jews didn't repent of sin. That was for the Gentiles. He's telling Jews, you've got to repent. Savior is coming. Salvation is coming to you. Some of the disciples of John the Baptist became... Disciples of Jesus. We know Andrew and Peter were at least two. Of the inner 12, two, there may be a couple others as well. Maybe Philip, maybe Nathaniel. Maybe several more turned. They became his disciple to get everything ready. Because God understood the sinfulness of our hearts. He understood the way we live our lives. He understood and understands we got to prepare. So here's the thing. In his wisdom and sovereignty, God prioritized the need of preparation in order for people to come to Jesus. You have to prepare people that Jesus is their Savior. You have to help them get ready to see that they need to trust him. So John came, <laughs> this crazy guy, I mean crazy guy, out in the middle of nowhere came and getting people ready. And then Jesus followed after him. 
So what we need to understand today is this. We're at a point where we have to prepare for impact. So we need to prepare for impact. Now, Jesus prepared his apostles and his disciples. I mean, think about, you know, if, if you know the story of Jesus, he didn't just come and say, okay, I'm going to the cross. He gathered a bunch of people around him, but 12 in particular. And he took those 12 and he trained them and he got them ready. He told them things that were going to happen. He taught them. He prepared them for when he would ascend and they would be here to carry out the ministry. And preparation is so important. Every, every day of my life is lived preparing for the next. I'm doing what I did today because I prepared yesterday and every day before. I'm preparing today for what I will do tomorrow. Every church you ever went to was to prepare me for this one. When I started off at 19 year old, first church you ever went to was for preparation. I mean, everything, I mean, it's always that way. To get me where I needed to be before I ever came to this church. I had already led three different building campaigns before I came out here to lead you to one. I had already led a church to make a decision to relocate before I ever came here. All of that was in preparation. And here's what, exactly what happened back then. 450 years before Jesus, Malachi said there's going to be a guy come. He's going to look like Elijah who came 400 years before that. All of this to fulfill a promise God made to Abraham a thousand plus years before Elijah when he took that pagan in the midst of all the other pagans in the midst of a world that no one basically worshipped him. And he said, I'm going to save the world. But he didn't do it right then. He waited 2,000 years more or less to bring someone to save because of all the preparation that had to be done. We're in a time to prepare. For those of you that are guests, I, I'm always uncomfortable when I have to do a message or a part of a message that kind of may leave you out. Because I know what it's like to go to a church. When Debbie and I travel, we go to a church, and they're, and they're doing something or preaching something, and we're a guest, and they leave us out. And like, well, you know, hey, what about us? You know, we want to be a part of you know. So I hate doing that, but sometimes you have to. I mean, the reason twice as many people walk through the door of our church today, and so many of them are so different than what even came uh, three and a half years ago, much less six when I came, is because we did things back then to prepare. So we got to prepare. And we got to prepare for our future, and what impact is part of that preparation. And let me just say, you know, when, when we talk about our impact, we're, we're talking about so much. We're, we're talking about a vision that we have to impact life. We're talking about the prayer that goes with it, the opportunities. But part of this is because we're going to build you know, more space, about 25,000 more square feet. We, you know, it always takes funds. It always takes money to do that. And so let me just say this. If you're a guest, I never, ever expect you to give money. Please understand, I would never want you to think for a minute. And I'm never going to manipulate you or make you feel guilty to give at any point. If you've been here any t- length of time, you know I don't, I don't do that. But this is part of it. And, and so we prepare. And, 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 and when we talk about the giving part of impact, to give the campaign, Please understand, and I recognize the fact that some of you are on very tight budget. It's a tough time financially. Some people, you just don't have anything to give. I get that. I don't ever want anybody to be in financial purgatory because they felt they had to give to First Baptist Church. So don't ever put yourself there. Don't, don't sacrifice your kids' education. Okay? Don't do that. Don't, don't, don't go into, you know, wipe out all your pension funds. You know, don't, don't do all of that stuff. And, and if you only have a small amount to give or X amount to give and you're already given it and you say, David, I can't give another dime, fine. Don't give another dime and don't take from that to give to impact. Don't take away from your current giving to give to impact. I don't ever want you to do that. But nonetheless, we, we, we still have to move forward. And, and some of us are capable of doing that. And so we want, it, we want to, to be able to give and we want to be able to move forward. 
And so here's the thing. Our impact campaign is preparing us to reach more people. It makes sense for you to prepare for impact. And so we all have to prepare. And so that's kind of where we are. We're in these things called vision desserts right now. Tonight starts vision desserts. Now, here's the thing. If you're a guest, you don't have any idea what we're talking about. Some of you have been going here all your life, and you don't have any idea what we're talking about because you don't pay attention. But here's the thing. Uh, For the next three weeks, uh, Ken Adcock, who's the campaign director and I, we're going to go to about 17 vision desserts. And in these desserts, we're going to go and we're going to share what's going to happen. These are small group opportunities for you to attend. And when you come to these desserts, we're going to share about the building, and we're going to answer all your questions. Whatever questions you have about this, you can ask. If you have questions you've been wanting to ask me about something entirely different, you can ask that too. And, if, and you know, we'll have some staff members there all for this. And you, if you're connected to this church, you probably got an invitation. You should have got an invitation to a vision dessert. And so we want you to RSVP that thing and say, you're coming. We want you there. And if you haven't done it, when this service is over, you can go out these doors, go to this corner over here outside in the, in the comments, and you can RSVP. People are already doing that. Or if, if, you, if you, uh, you got a vision dessert invite, but you can't make that date, go over there and they'll change you. They'll give you another invitation. They'll send you somewhere else. We have 17 of these things. We can find one for you. Trust me. And if you didn't get an invite, you know, I don't know why, but you didn't get an invite. We'll go over there and we'll invite you. If you're a guest and you're saying, the idea of a vision dessert sounds like the coolest thing I've ever heard of. No other church is doing, no church in this area is doing a vision dessert but us. Go over there and say, I would like a vision dessert. Fine. And, and some people ask, no, you don't have to bring the dessert. It's not potluck. We're providing the cookies and stuff. <laughs> and just go, or, or you can go on, you can call a church office and do all that. You can do whatever, but come to the vision dessert. But that's part of the preparation. See, here's the thing. Your preparation or your participation impact needs to be the result of both prayer and preparation. Your participation and impact needs to be the result of both prayer and preparation. It's that important. Um, Debbie and I go through the same thing y'all are going through. And um, so I obviously, as senior pastor, we would assume that I probably know the most about the impact campaign of anyone I should. I'm the one that said we're going to have it, and I'm the one that said let's do it, and I'm the one that let out in that. So I know it. I've known, I've known about impact before anybody. I've known about this this week, this month, and these two months coming well over a year ago. But I didn't, Debbie and I haven't really decided what we're going to give to impact. We're going through the same process you're going through. And this past week, we, we've been talking. We're trying to pray and prepare. Because we know on this 12th of September, we're going to fill out an impact campaign commitment card, just like we're asking y'all to do, and put that commitment card in a box. And say, here's our commitment for impact for the next three years. 36-month campaign. On the 26th of September, we're having Celebration Sunday. We're taking up the initial cash offering for impact, asking that, you know, if you can, give something that day. That Sunday maybe the biggest offering you can give for impact. Debbie and I are going to do that. I don't know how much. had no idea yet. Then for the next 36 months, we got to give to impact. We're dividing that up. I don't know how much. So, but I know this, our financial situation is changing within the next 36 months. We're probably going to have a drastic financial change. I need to come see you. <laughs> I need help. <laughs> financial consultant on the front row. Don't bother her. She's worshiping. Just across the street, bother her there. But we, we don't, I, you know, I, I know that's going to happen. So I got to think, okay, 30, 36 months from now, 30 months from now, what's 30 months from now? And I, and I figured that out. I think that's sometime in 20, whatever. Anyways, so it's uh, 22, 23, 23, 24 in there. My financial situation is different. I don't, so do I give more now and less then? I mean, how do I work that? You know why? We're preparing for that. We're doing the same thing you're doing. 
Because if we want to have an impact, we're going to prepare, prepare, prepare. I'm going to 17 vision desserts because i got to figure this thing out. One's not going to be enough for me to figure it out. i got to go 17 of them, man. I mean, I'm, I'm where you're at. It's no different for Debbie and I. We're in that same world. We want to make an impact. But not just that way. We want to make impacts all the time, impact all the time. We want to impact people's lives constantly because we have so many opportunities to do this. Yesterday, we had a big event in our church called Back to School Bash. It's, it's normally the event where more people will walk on the, to our campus in one day for Back to School Bash, usually than anything else of the year. I mean, it's just, we, and, and last year we didn't have it because of the pandemic. And so this year we're cranking it back up. And don't you know, we got this rain coming. And so we're trying to figure out what we're going to do. And we're like, okay, well, you know, we, we prayed about all this, and we've prepared so much. We've got everything lined up. So we know we're going to have at least some window of opportunity. So I'm like, we're going to do this thing because we'll have people here regardless, and we want to impact their lives. Because the whole purpose of this event is to get people who don't normally come to our church on our campus. And so we did it. It didn't last three hours like we hoped. It lasts about an hour and 45 minutes. We had a ton of people here. We, we measure in weight. That's how I know we had a ton of people. So we don't count. We just weigh everything. We still touch lives. Why was that possible? Because we had an opportunity to impact, and we prepared, and we took advantage. There's so many ways to do this. Here's the cool thing. God provides you many opportunities to impact and reach people for Jesus. Start now to prepare for impact. Remember last week, I kind of closed the message in the same way I do it today. So many people come through our church in the course of a month. It's amazing how many people come. And all of those people have opportunities every week to impact lives. If this is the church you kind of attend, this is kind of your place, we have thousands and thousands of opportunities every month to impact the lives of people. We don't take advantage of very many of them probably. You know part of the reason? We just don't prepare for it. We don't prepare ourselves to impact people's lives. Last week after I preached about prayer and impacting, I was a whole lot more aware of the opportunities I had this week to impact people. And I took advantage of more than I normally take. Yesterday as I was talking to so many guests and folks that I didn't know, you know, I was just thinking, how can I, in this one moment I have, impact them. I knew we weren't going to reach them for Christ. We weren't going to leave them to the Lord. How can I impact their life? See, we've got to prepare for that. That has to be the passion of who we are. So let me ask you this question. This is your church. I don't care if you're a formal member or not. It doesn't matter. But you say, yeah, I go to First Baptist or FBC or whatever the church on the hill is called. How do you impact the lives of people? How do you do that? And are you preparing to do that? The neighbor, the coworker, friend at school, person you're going to meet that's brand new at the university, the people who may be moving down the street. How are you going to impact their life? You can't just be wishful thinking. Begin to prepare. For some of you, 
You need to make that commitment today that says, Lord, I'm really going to impact their lives. And I, and I know I want to, but more than just want to, God, I want to start preparing to do that. Help me to get prepared, to get ready, to have conversations, to look for opportunities, to take advantage of those things, to be, just to see it. And just to be a part of their life in some way that maybe I can help impact them. Maybe you need to make a commitment in your life today that you want to pray and just be that person who prays and prays for others. Because you can't do much else. Okay, so, so pray. <laughs> I have friends of mine all the time who call me or text me or email me. I need you to pray. I'm like, you probably need someone who does a better job than me, but okay. I mean, I'm praying for you. Because it makes an impact when you pray for people. Some of you, maybe you need looking for a church. Maybe you need to say, I need to be a part of this church. And maybe you want to formally be a part of this church and join, which you'd love to have you come. And an invitation, if you want to join a church, you can. But if you say, Dad, I don't care to join the church. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm a part of this background, of that denomination. I just love coming here. Okay, make a commitment that this is your church. Even if you don't formally join, make the commitment that this is your church. Make that today. Have an impact. And maybe, just maybe, the way you can really have an impact is if you have a fundamental change in your life, you need to come to Jesus. Maybe you need to be the one impacted. You don't do the impacting today. You be the one impacted. And I haven't talked about the need to come to Christ, but it's always there. If you've never trusted Jesus to be the Savior of your life, you need to repent of your sin and believe. That's why Jesus came. I don't know what you need to do today, but I invite you to make an impact. I invite you to prepare for impact. Lord, we thank you. John, a crazy guy, gives hope for so many of us. If John can be that guy, why can't we be the, the gal or the guy, the man, the woman, the young, the old, to touch the lives of people? You bring people into our life so many ways. You bring people into the life of our church. God, we want to we reach them and help them come to faith in Jesus. To reach them first, maybe we just need to impact our life. And God will never impact them if we don't prepare. So move our spirits to prepare. To make that commitment. We're going to get ready. And in getting ready, we're going to reach out. And we're going to impact this entire area for Jesus. And we're going to begin by preparing for impact. And we're going to do this in the name of Christ. We're going to do it by the power of the Holy Spirit so that we may bring you the glory and honor that is yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand? We'll be here and you come.